And all God's people say it. Grab your Bibles real quickly. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter number 40. Isaiah chapter number 40. Uh, we're going we're gonna to continue preaching, teaching about the one we're here to meet. <clears throat> the one we're here to worship. The one we're here to serve. The one we're here to praise. The one we're here to adore. <clears throat> Who can compare? I say again, who can compare? Oh, what a fitting, what a fitting song for chapter 40 of Isaiah. Uh, I got to just be honest with you, I uh, got more, more sermon than we have time. So Lord's willing, we're going we're gonna to break this thing up and, uh, and, and, and do a to be continued. I know everybody loves to be continued. Don't you love when you just get right in a movie? Uh, and, and, and on TV, and, and I mean, you just get all in, and then it says to be continued. I want to tear the TV and throw it out the window, amen? But this one will be worth it, I promise. I, I, I need, I don't want to shortchange, I don't want to shortchange this chapter. Uh, we, need, we need everything out of it. Uh, part of what we're going to do this morning is, is tell you why we need to do what I'm telling you we need to do. And Isaiah, in the, in the middle of this chapter, he says, behold your God. Behold your God. Behold means to get a good look. In other words, get your eyes on him. Get your eyes on him. Uh, he begins to describe circumstances. How many of y'all have ever heard that phrase, under the circumstances? <clears throat> what are you doing under there? <clears throat> How many of y'all know that we, we, we all go through circumstances in life? And sometimes, sometimes life has a way of putting the circumstances in between us and God so that we look at God through our circumstances instead of looking at our circumstances through our God. And what Isaiah is saying right here, he is saying, get your eyes on God, not your circumstances. And he begins to describe, I'll be honest with you, the latter half, it, it, it is, is, is camp meeting preaching. I mean, it just goes to be, it just goes to bragging on God and saying, who can you compare him to? Who are you going to, what kind of likeness are you going to make to the God you have? And that, but we'll get to that next week. Amen. Amen. But, but this week we're going to talk about why we need to do this. We, we, we are looking in Isaiah chapter 40 and it's going to be a little more like a Bible study today. Uh, so if you'll bear with me, I, I, I promise you, if I can find my eyes, all right, here we go. Uh, I promise you, nobody likes to wait on the cake being made, but they sure like it when it's finished, yeah. right? Yeah. So if you'll give us a little time to mix the ingredients this morning, I promise you it'll be worth the wait. And all God's people say it. Yeah. Isaiah chapter 40 in verse number one. If you're there, if you're there, say glory. glory. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem. That word literally means to the heart. Speak to the heart of Jerusalem. Cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, 
and the rough places, I underlined this one, I didn't even underline the whole verse, just this one phrase. The rough places, plain. How many of y'all been in some rough places? Oh yeah, you may be facing one now. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. The voice said, cry. He said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass. And all the goodliness of the glory thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth. In other words, it's it's short term. It's fragile. The flower fadeth because the spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth and the flower fadeth. But the word of our God shall stand forever. I'm feeling it already, ain't y'all? O Zion, that bringeth good tidings. Get thee up into the high mountains, O Jerusalem, that bringeth good tidings. Lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. What are they going to cry loudly? What are they going to lift their voice up and say? Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold your God. Say it with me. Listen, get your eyes on your God and all God's people see it. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings, your mercy. Bless us today. Lord, help us. Help me, help me explain it in, 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 in such an, a simple way, Lord, that not one single person can leave and say they didn't get it. I pray that your perfect will be done today. In Jesus' name we pray. Honor your word. In Jesus' name, and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, let's, let's set it up now. Let's set it up. Let's explain Isaiah. Isaiah is a, a, a prophet preaching to people who are not going to listen to him. <clears throat> They're just not going to hear him. They're not going to listen to him. They, they do not heed his warning. They do not heed his preaching. Now, chapters 1 through 39. Say that with me. 1 through 39, one through 39 is the first section of this book. Now, he's addressing sin. He's addressing wickedness. He's addressing disobedience. He is saying, chapter 1 says this, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. What's he saying? Uh, God wants to deal with your sin. God even says this in chapter number 1. Why, why, y'all, why y'all coming to church like you're coming? That's what he says. Go back and read it. Why, why are you bringing these vain oblations? Why, in other words, the, these empty worship rituals. You're going through the ritual. You're going through the routine. But your heart is far from me. God cares not that you're just sitting in the building, not that you're just moving your lips. God cares what's in your heart. Say amen. And he says, you're wasting your time going through the routine. You're wasting your time going through the ritual because you got wickedness in your heart and you got sin in your heart. He is speaking against idolatry. Man, there's things pulling their affection away from God. And I know what you're thinking, well, preacher, I don't have no gold statue in my closet and I don't burn no candles, so I'm not an idolater. If you put things before God, that's idolatry. Football can be idolatry. Hobbies can be idolatry. Your own children can be an idol. Anything that takes your affections away from the one who deserves it most and the one who deserves it only, it it could be idolatry. 
So they had an issue with idolatry. Listen, all the way up leading to chapter number 39, he says there is judgment coming. There is judgment coming. In in verses 5, 6, and 7 of chapter number 39, he says that's it. That's it. You're going to be taken into captivity to Babylon. Taken into captivity. Chapters 1 through 39, sin, disobedience, idolatry, ritual religion, all of this is coming to a halt. God is going to bring judgment. You're going into captivity. Babylon is going to come take you and be a captive. Are y'all with me so far? Now understand this. None of this is going to happen for years later. Almost 100 years later. This doesn't take place. Is everybody with me? Say amen. Now, chapter 40, chapter 40 begins a transition. Chapters 1 through 39 describe what's coming and teaches what's going to happen and teach why it's going to happen because of their wickedness, because of their sin, because of their disobedience. God will not overlook sin. He will not sweep sin under the rug. You say, preacher, I've got my own thing with God. You may think that, but God doesn't play. And now in chapter 40, he is writing as if they're already in captivity. He is writing as if They are already in Babylon. He is writing to the group of people who will have been there for 70 years. You see, God is going to allow a foreign nation to come in. He's going to allow the armies in Babylon to come in and kill thousands of people and take the rest in the captivity into Babylon. And they're going to stay there for 70 years. 70 years outside of their home. 70 years away from the promised land. 70 years away from the place that God has given them. 70 years as a captive. 70 years as a slave. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And now he is writing. He is writing to this group of captives that has not taken place yet, but it's going to take place. He is writing to them. And now begins a transition. Listen, now begins writing of comfort. Now begins writing of encouragement. Now begins writing that God is saying things are fixing to change. Are y'all with me? Say amen. It's going to make sense in just a second. All right? Now, here's the thing. They've disobeyed. They've been wicked. They've been sinful. They have, listen, they have paid for their sin. And according to this verse, double for their sin. Now imagine this, God has a word for this group of people. God has a word for these who have been disciplined, these who are in captivity, these who have been there for 70 years. God has a word for them. And it means, what what, what is that word? Behold your God. Behold your God. Listen, I want to give you three places in life, if you will. Three times in life. Three different, three different descriptions that he gives in the first part of this chapter. Times when we need to get our eyes off our circumstances. 
and get our eyes off of our surroundings. Get our eyes off of what's there. Get our eyes off of what we're afraid of. Get our eyes off of what we see and get them on God. Are y'all with me? Number one, have you taken notes? Write this down. When do we need to get our eyes on God? Well, first, number one, when our past has been deplorable. When our past has been deplorable. Look what God says. Look what God says to these captives. Look what God says to these disobedient people. Look at what God says at these people who have, because of their wickedness and because of their idolatry, because of their sin, because of their fake worship, because of their ritual, and because of all that they had done, they have been in captivity for 70 years. Look what God says. Comfort ye. Comfort ye means to console. It means to comfort. Care for them. Comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare. Now the word warfare there means literally hardship. Say that with me. Hardship. They were going through a hardship. Probably slaves. Probably having to work uh, 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 like a slave, if you will. Their, Their warfare is accomplished. That her iniquity is... Come on, everybody. That her iniquity is... For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. I looked up that word pardon. This is what it says. Webster's Dictionary. It says to forgive. To forgive. What a great word. To forgive. I know you, if you, you perfect people in here, that don't mean anything to you. But if you've ever messed up, that's a precious word. To forgive. To remit as an offense or crime. Guilt implies a being bound or subjected to censure, penalty, or punishment. To pardon is to give up the obligation or release the offender. We apply the word to the crime or to the person. We pardon an offense when we remove it from the offender and consider him as not guilty. We pardon the offender when we release or absolve him from his liability to suffer punishment. What God is saying here, he said, listen... I know you sinned. I know you disobeyed. I know because of your wickedness, you had to go through what you went through and you had to go through captivity. You had to be disciplined because the Bible says, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And if you're without chastening, you're a bastard and not a son. If you have sinned and went against God, God will judge and God will punish. He will discipline. Are y'all with me? But when he does, and when he gets your attention, he is a God who will turn and say, now it's time, it's time to comfort, it's time to console. Hey, the judgment is over. Are y'all with me? He said, your iniquity is pardoned. I forgive you. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. When your past is deplorable, when your past is bad, when your past is something you wish you could forget and you wish nobody knew, when your past is terrible, I want you to look at your God. Not at your past, but at your God. I don't care if people won't let you forget what you did. Look at your God. I don't care if the devil keeps haunting you with it. Get your eyes off of your past and behold your God. Why? Because he, he, hey, if you're taking notes, write this down. He is a God who forgives. He's a God who forgives. 
I know we don't a lot. I, I, I know we religious people, we, sometimes we hold grudges and, and we won't let people, we won't let people buy. And, and man, could, man could do 40 years worth of great works and in 40 minutes destroy it all and that's all you remember. But let me tell you about a God that we have. We have a God who will take your sin and he will dip it in red blood and it'll come out white as snow. I have a God who will take your sin and not just forgive you your sin, but separate you from your sin as far as the east is from the west. I need a witness in the house when you have a past and by the way we all do you, 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 you can look up your highfalutin nose at everybody else but don't look at it at me because I know if you were born uh, listen of a human being you are just like David David said in sin did my mother conceive me you, listen you're not better than nobody else you got here broke just like I did But thank God, when we fail, when we mess up, we have a God who forgives. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to have a good time. I don't care if you do or not. We have a God who forgives. Come now, let us reason together. Saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as well. Isn't it great to see snow? There's some trashy looking places around Coleman. Hey, some people just don't clean the yard up. Are y'all with me? I mean, mean just leave junk scattered all over the place. Look like the Beverly Hillbilly. Say it, man. But you know what? When that snow comes, it covers up all the nasty. You know, when we... (laughs) Right, moving along, moving along. I see some people cleaning the yard up this week. I see it. <laughs> Listen, when your past is deplorable, remember you have a God who forgives. A God of forgiveness. He said your iniquity is pardoned. But not only a God of forgiveness, watch this. That's just, you know, we, we'll say we forgive, but we forget the second part. He's a God not only of forgiveness, he's a God of restoration. Restoration. We, 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 my cousin, my cousin, I I was sitting with him one day and I I told him, I said, I said, look, man, he had a situation happen to him and, and, and I said, look, man, you're supposed to forgive and forget. He said, I do. I forgave him. Then I forget him. (laughs) I said, "I, I, I don't think that's the way that goes. That's not the way that works. But sadly, that's what a lot of Christians do. Now, God had every right to say, I'm done with you. (laughs) I'm done with you. And if we'd be honest with ourselves, God had every right with a lot of us in here. Say, I'm done with you. But that's not the way he operates. Because not only is he a God who forgives, he's a God who restores. Now why in the world are you going to forgive somebody if you're not willing to restore them? Let me give you, I know what y'all think. Oh, that's just Old Testament stuff. Let me give you a New Testament verse. 
How many of y'all know the Bible says, ye which are spiritual? Say it with me. Ye which are? When someone has fallen, when someone has failed, when someone has sinned, when someone has messed up, it says, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. You know what? I'm glad. I'm glad no matter no matter what my past is, because of God, I've got a future. Now, my, my enemies may not be able to get past my past. They may not can take their eyes off of my past, but my eyes are not going to be on my past. My eyes are going to be on my God who forgave me in my past and will restore my future. I, you know what? We could say, we could give an invitation right now and, be, and, and had, we've had a good service right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, listen, just to know. So why are you saying all this? Did you thank him lately? Come on, brother. Come on. Have you thanked him lately for the multitude? I mean, the mass multitude of times he's had to come and, and, and clean you up. And wash you up. How many of y'all, how many of y'all this phrase may be familiar with? It's, it's for me, maybe not for you, but it's for me anyway. Lord, it's me again. Can anybody relate to that? You know what he said? I know. <laughs> Yeah, y'all so spiritual. <clears throat> Aren't y'all glad that God don't treat us like we treat each other? Listen, when your past is deplorable, behold your God. Behold your, in other words, look at God. Why do you need to look at God? Because he's a God who forgives. And he's a God who restores. You know, why do you think I need to encourage everybody in here to do this? Do you know what our first instinct is when we mess up? You know what our first instinct is when we mess up? Run from God. Run from God. Now, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. I probably spent way too much time with this. Uh, too much time with this. But do you know what one of the number one tools of the devil is? Guilt. Guilt and shame. Guilt and shame. You know what the Bible says? And, 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 and we, we need to get this. We need to get this. The blood of Christ will purge our conscience from dead works. Dead works is stupidity. Dumb things we've done. It will purge our conscience from dead work. Purge means to cleanse, to clear, to get it out. Y'all with me? The blood of Christ will purge our conscience from dead works that we may serve. When people mess up, they want to quit everything. Woe is me. I don't deserve. I don't deserve to serve. Well, you didn't deserve to serve before you served. Right. 
At what point did you think you deserved to serve? And I, I'm, I'm, I'm being just a little facetious, but I'm trying to make a point here. Listen, God doesn't forgive you so you can quit everything because now you don't deserve to stand in that place. Or you don't deserve to honor God. Or you don't deserve to stand and serve Him because you messed up. Guess what? Guess what? God doesn't cleanse you so you can sit on the shelf. That's what the devil's telling you. The devil wants to use your guilt. The devil wants to use your shame. That's why when you come, you come and you bring that over and over to God. I, I, love, I love that song we used to sing growing up. What sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. From the book of life, they've all been torn out. What sins are you talking about? In other words, we come to God and say, Oh, God, forgive me a second. And you done ask him 12 times. And God said, What are you talking about? That's already gone. And we just let the devil keep us from serving, keep us from getting involved, keep us from moving forward. Let me tell you something. Get your eyes off the devil. Get your eyes off the enemy. Get your eyes off the critics. Get your eyes off everybody that won't let you forget your past and say, hey, my eyes are on the one who has forgiven me. My eyes are on the one who has restored me. When your past is deplorable, look at him. Can you imagine the guilt and the shame they felt? Because here's what they did for 70 years. Here's what they did in, for 70 years in Babylon. Uh, they rehearsed chapters 1 through 39. That preacher told us, that preacher told us, that preacher told us this was going to happen. And God is now saying, all right, that's over. How many of y'all love that verse, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning? Everybody quotes that part, but they don't quote the first part. It talks about God's anger. Now, God hates sin, and God will judge sin. But watch this. God does not discipline to punish God disciplines for the purpose of restoring. Hello? All right, number two. I didn't need way up too much time on that one. When do we need to get our eyes on God? When when, When do we need to take our eyes off our circumstances, off our past? But number two. Not only when our past is deplorable, but when our path becomes difficult. When our path, P-A-T-H, when our path becomes difficult. Preacher, what are you saying? All right, God's fixing to bring, in in, in the prophecy, Cyrus is going to release them. They're going to get to go back to Israel. They're going to get to go back to Israel 900 miles through the desert. Now, I, I just got back from Israel a couple months ago or a few weeks ago, wherever long that's been. And, and, and we was going for, just from Jericho. Just from Jericho. Jericho's the last, last stopping point uh, before you get to, to uh, uh, Jerusalem. And, and we was in a bus on a highway, paved. And I didn't like it. <clears throat> and you're going through mountains. Imagine... Imagine the Smokies, but instead of trees and all that, all you see is sand. 
I got pictures. I, I, I wanted to show them, and I just didn't. My mind just wasn't working right. But I, 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 I just, for, for, for hours, you just sit and look out the window, and you're just going by nothing but sand and rock. Why is Jericho significant? Because it had a spring there. And, it, and anywhere you had a spring, you had water. And if you had water, you had life. So you would congregate around that and you would get all your supplies up and then make it to Jerusalem. Think about this. Jericho is 1,300 feet below sea level. Jerusalem is 3,000 feet above sea level. Now when they say they went up to Jerusalem, there's a reason. Now when them brothers got there, they was tired. But there's nothing. Now imagine, that's from, that's, from, that's from Jericho to Jerusalem. Imagine going from Jerusalem to Babylon. That is modern day Iraq. 900 miles. It took Ezra four months of walking through the desert. This is what's in front of them. This is what they're facing. Now I'm telling you what. I got to I got to get my, myself psyched up to drive on the interstate to go see my brother. Can y'all relate to what I'm trying to say? But what God has put in front of them is 900 miles of desert. 900 miles of wilderness. No stops. No hopefully. Now watch. Watch what God says. Watch what God says. Verse 3. Now we know the ultimate fulfillment of this prophecy is John Baptist preparing the way in the wilderness in the New Testament. But he is speaking specifically to the nation of Israel here in bondage in Babylon. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway, a highway, a highway. Listen, there was no highway. God is saying, I'm going to make one for you. Y'all ain't getting it. Let me keep reading. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight. Help me. And the... Say it again. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Isaiah 43. Just a couple chapters later. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. What do you need when you're walking through a hot, arid desert? You got to have water. And God says, when you start on your journey, I'm going to make a way for you. Not only am I going to make a way for you, I'm going to give you rivers of water in a desert. Watch this. He says something else. Verse 48, chapter 48, verse 20. Go ye now forth of Babylon. Free ye from the Chaldeans with a voice of singing. Declare ye, tell this, utter it even to the ends of the earth. Say ye, the Lord hath redeemed his servant Jacob. And they thirsted not when he led them through the deserts. He caused the water to flow out of the rock for them. He claved the rock also and the waters gushed out. Are y'all with me? I don't think you are. You know what? <clears throat> we talk about the water coming out of the rock when the nation of Israel came out of Egypt going to the promised land. 
But do you realize when the nation of Israel came back through the wilderness and came back through the desert and came back through the hot sands and came back through the burning sun that God did the same thing and God, listen, he provided a way. He made a way where there was no way. He gave them a route to go. He provided. He went before them. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. When you are facing a path that God has placed in front of you, it may be a final path. It may be a physical health path. It may be a relationship path. It may be a ministry path. But it looks scary to you. It looks difficult to you. All you can see is mountains and valleys in the way. All you can see is obstacles in front of you. I'm here to tell you if God puts you on that path the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and if God puts you on that path he will go before you and he will bring down the mountains and he will bring up the valleys and he will make a way where there is no way and the devil's going to tell you you ain't going to make it the devil's going to tell you it's too hard the devil's going to tell you it's too hot the devil's going to tell you you're going to dehydrate and die but God said I will make a way where there is no way and I will provide for you every step of the way Yes. You can't build a church and come and it's too hard. There's too many. God said, I'll make a way. Preacher, you don't know how our relationship is. If you will get your eyes off of your spouse and get it on your God. Preacher, you don't know about my finances. I don't know how we're going to make it. Get your eyes off your finances. And get your eyes on the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You need to get your eyes on the one who spoke the world into existence. You need to get your eyes on the one who put the mite in the fish's mouth to pay the disciples' taxes. You need to put your eyes on the one who took one little lad's lunch and fed thousands of people with it. And all he did was bless it and break it. God can take what you have and he can meet the need. Get your eyes off your problems. Get your eyes off the storm and get it on the Savior in the boat with you. <laughs> quit looking at your circumstances. Or excuse me, quit looking at your God through your circumstances. And start looking at your circumstances through your God. When do we need to get our eyes on Him? When our path gets difficult. Man, the devil uses fear so much. Monday. Monday I'm teaching an oasis. And I'm teaching how your mind will run with you. You hear something, all of a sudden you think the worst case scenario. Snake crawls through the door. It's a cobra! It could be just an old harmless rat snake, but our, immediately our mind... And I'm teaching an oasis about how do we need to control our thoughts. We need to get a hold of our thoughts. You know, when we hear bad news, we go, whoa, slow down, slow down. Don't let your mind run crazy. Tuesday morning. <clears throat> I'm talking about the next morning. I had some blood work done the week before. And I checked my messages on my phone. I said, sir, my name is Eric such and such from the, the Alabama CDC. Center for Disease Control. 
And we had, I, why are you laughing? It's serious. <laughs> Something has showed up in your blood work and we need you to call us right away. I can't tell you how many diseases I had before I got to this church. I've already tried to explain to Tammy how I got it. And where the insurance papers was and, you know, what I wanted at my funeral. It scared me to death. And I called them. Got an answer machine. It went from fear to anger. Then I called back and got him. I said, yes, sir. I said, you just called me. I'm Malcolm Carter, blah, blah, blah. I said, yes, sir. We, 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 we received some information. Your, your, your doctor or whatever, they had to let us know. And, and I'm sitting here. And they said, they, there was a trace of, uh, of spotted fever. Something you get from a tick bite. Surely not. I'm sitting here listening. You know, have, have you ever been exposed to ticks? <laughs> About every other night. I had a tick bite. I said, yeah, you know, during the summer, it's kind of bad. You come in from coon hunting, you know. He said, okay, what, what do you do for a living? I said, what's that got to do with anything? I said, I'm a pastor, and he's he telling this, and, and he said, all right. So there's 3,000 cases in Alabama. It's the worst they ever had last year. And so I'm sitting here. I says, what do I do about it? He said, well, wear long sleeves and you... Oh. I need to know what antibiotic I need, man. He said, oh, your doctor handle all that. And I hung up and I was like... Whew. I mean, in a moment... The devil will use fear. Preacher, what are you saying? When you see that, understand he'll make a way. And there's legitimate cases that are bad. Mine just happened, I got lucky, blessed, whatever word you want to use. But that's not always the case. But do know this. Whatever, whatever path you're going to have to walk, God's going to be there before you get there. Prepare ye a way. God will make a way. Amen. And all God's people say it. Amen. Lastly, what was number one? We need to behold our God when what? Come on, everybody. Say it. Our. Number two, when our. Number three, when our power is depleted. When our power is depleted. <clears throat> Look what he says. Verse 6, verse 6, the voice said cry, and he said what shall I cry? For a couple verses he begins to remind us of our frailty. He reminds us of just how weak we are, just how, just how insignificant when it comes to his glory Watch what he says. Watch what he says. All flesh is grass. And all the goodliness or the glory. 
In other words, all the pomp and circumstance, all the awards and all of the glory that we could muster is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Listen, the Assyrian, the Assyrian regime is gone. The Babylonian glory is gone. The glory of the Medes and the Persians is gone. As glorious and majestic as Rome and all of their glory, gone. But you know what's still here? The word of the Lord endureth forever. He said, now see, here's the thing. Before you can appreciate his strength and his power, you got to get a good look at yours. You've got to see how truly, in the scheme of things, how insignificant we truly are. How weak we really are. How fleeting we really are. How powerless we really are. Our, our, listen, James says it this way. Your life is here for a vapor, just a vapor. It's here for a short time and then vanisheth away. But watch what he says. Here's the point. Look, at, look, in, look in verse number uh, uh, verse number 9. Are you there? Amen. O Zion, that bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say unto the cities of God, Behold your God. What did he do for the, the, the three verses before that? He got you to look at yourself. He got you to look at your frailty and how fragile our lives are. Now he says, now check him out. Watch what he says. Watch what he says. Behold Say it with me. Say it again. Say this. Check it out. Say it again. Check it out. The Lord God will come with what? Strong hand. And his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. Now watch this. Watch this. Verse 11. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his and carry them in his bosom, and shall gently, and shall lead those that are with with young. Look at this, two verses, two words. Why do we behold God when our, our strength is weak? When our power is diminished, when our power is depleted? Because one, he's a God who strengthens. Say that with me. He's a God who, come on everybody, he's a God who, but he's also a God who supports. There's two groups of people here. In two groups of people he's addressing in these two verses. There, there's, some, there's some saints in here that's gotten weary with their journey. You've gotten weary with your walk because your walk, your path has gotten difficult. You're, you're in the middle of a desert in your life. And you know what you need? You need a little strength. You need God to touch you and give you some strength. 
and give you a refreshment and give you an infusion of power and grace. Are y'all with me? But then there's another group that's way beyond. Now, now stay with me here. That's way beyond just being tired. Way beyond just a little anemic. Way beyond the point of just being a little weak. But God doesn't just say, hey, buck up. I was preaching my grandmother's funeral. And I started it, and I'm just a big baby, big old blubbering baby. I just started crying. I couldn't get my composure. And my Aunt Jan, she's a commercial fisherman in Okeechobee, can drive a boat better than any man in this building or else. I don't care who you are and how good a boat driver you are. She's bad to the bone. Six foot one, that's right. She's sitting on the front row. And she looks at me. This is what she says. Buck up, boy. You know what I did? <laughs> Son, I started preaching. You know what? Sometimes God will come through and he, he, there's people that need. Buck up, boy. But there's others that's just a lot worse. Who the Bible says God with his, he's not only got a strong arm to give you, but he's got a tender arm. Do you get this? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? That we have a God who can distinguish between the ones that needs a kick in the pants and the ones that just needs to be picked up. Because there are some that's, that's, that's been through so much that they need more than just say, hey, it's, it's going to be all right. They need a God who will wrap them up and pick them up. You see, he's not just tough. He's tender too. What a God. What a God. Regardless if you need God to tell you to buck up or you need God to hold you tight. He's the one. Next week, we're going to behold him. This week, we learn when we need to. Next week, we're going to see him. me encourage you to read it please take your Bible home please take your Bible home and read chapter 40 let me just give you a little taste I got a minute who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with a span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance. Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor, hath taught him? In other words, he's saying, who gave God advice? 
With whom took he counsel? And who instructed him? And taught him in the path of judgment, taught him knowledge, and showed to him the way of understanding. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, there's that word again. He taketh up the islands as a very little thing. Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the beast thereof sufficient for a burn off. And you know what he's saying there? They were, there's huge cedars in Lebanon. In other words, he's saying all the trees and all the wood of Lebanon is enough to make sacrifices of how worthy he is. All nations before him are as nothing. They are counted to him less than nothing in vanity. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare unto him? Then he begins to describe people who are making false idols. Have you not known? Haven't you heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. The inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers. They stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. That bringeth the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth as vanity. To whom will you liken me? Now God's just speaking. He's just stepping up. To whom then will you liken me? Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and behold who hath created these things. That bringeth out their hosts by number. Talking about the stars of the sky. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might. For that he is strong in power, not one of them faileth. Look at verse 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he fainteth not, neither is he weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth what? He giveth to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Let me read, let me read that again. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Behold your God. Come on, give him praise and glory in his house this morning. Check him out. Check him out. Read it again this week. We're going to talk about the incomparable one. Who are you going to compare him to? Who are you going to compare him to? Who are you going to, set, who are you going to put beside him? How do you describe the indescribable one? Stand up, people. I'm going to preach some more if y'all don't stop. Just stand up, stand up, stand up. <clears throat> Are you going through it today? Are you going through it today? We sung a song. <clears throat> Brother Sam, you remember that song, that chorus? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. I want you to do that today. If you're going through it, if you're on that path, if you're, if you're feeling a little weak, if the devil's been trying to stop you and keep reminding you of your past, come give it to God. Come get your eyes on Him. 
Maybe you've gotten bad news this week. Maybe you've seen where your path has gotten rocky. Maybe, maybe what's ahead of you is harder than you think you can stand. And I want you to come and say, God, help me. Help me take my eyes off of my circumstances and get my eyes on you as we pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings, your mercy. Thank you for your